What's up, guys? It's the phenomenal AJ Styles. You're listening to the two-man power trip. Oh, my God. This is Joey Styles, and you're listening to the two-man power trip podcast. This is Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. This is Cody Rhodes, the prince of pro wrestling, and you are listening to two-man power trip. This is Jimmy Vine, the boogie Wooker man. Tell my people my brothers and sisters, don't you dare miss John and Chad. Hey, everybody out there. This is the franchise Shane Douglas. Remember me? <laughs> well, guys, it's great to be on the show again i appreciate you asking me back so you said you were going to pinch yourself i didn't know it was that kind of show now i mean if you guys are in the privacy of your own home if you want to do these things good how you doing chad hey johnny cool man what's going on we're ready to go or what uh, okay. hey man what's up guys this is homicide oh that's my homie homicide with a big homie club yeah that would be it hey this is david penzer and this is the two-man power trip of wrestling well, thank you, thank you. Hear me, fear me. I don't do many wrestling shows anymore, probably because I'm a bit ignorant. You guys probably know ten times more than I do. Look, Mean Gene, I can't be beat. I'm the greatest of all time. And I would say that. And every kid, I, they knew they could kick the out of me. Great talking to you guys. It's been your pleasure. <laughs> They've worked in and around the wrestling business. They've studied thousands of hours of wrestling. And now... They bring to you the greatest legends, Hall of Famers, creative minds, and both current and future stars of pro wrestling. They are Primetime Pod and Chad, the two-man power trip of wrestling. It's you a, said it I, exactly yeah, right, am, David Crockett. I am. The world day. Uh, well, right. you should be glad we came, David. Got, we had a little bit of class to your show. Depends on what kind of class. Hey, brother, it's all, all right. high, believe right, me. I know all the lines. I know all the answers. I know all the holds. Hey, My brother knows all the holds. Yeah, good. I want to show you something. Hey, you got a glass show? Is it always... Hey, I thought, tell you something. Hey. I thought brothers were supposed to help brothers. Let me right? tell you something, Crockett. Uh, well, wait a minute. If uh, you're doing you what got... I think you're going to do, be doing, yeah. you're going to be making a big mistake. Why you want to find out who's got a glass jaw? Huh? Let me know you one time. Let's see how good that a jaw you got. Let you me are. tell yeah, you, yeah, young brother. Yeah, that shows how big a man. Yeah. Let me tell you, young brother. Let me tell you what champion you are. Hey, David, we're champions here. We're champions. We came to the so-called Carolinas to challenge the champions where everybody let's was show you. champions. Let's show David, you, you don't show, show that film oh, or you're in trouble. Remember oh. what my name is. Crockett. I hope Crockett has good attorneys. Right. We're Roll world champions. Roll Roll tape. Tape. Show what you exactly what this is the two-man power trip of wrestling and you are listening to episode number 269 of the two-man power trip of wrestling podcast. A podcast that you can hear two times a week and download it from wherever you get your podcast from. Whether it's iTunes or Google Play or Player FM or my personal favorite, the Podomatic app, you never know who's going to be on the other end of the line with the two-man power trip of wrestling. And with all that being said, my name is Chad, and as always, I'm joined by my tag team partner, the one and only John Paz, and we are coming off of the biggest weekend in the history 
of the two-man power trip of wrestling, having just completed our big weekend down in Richmond, Virginia. Excuse me, I should say starting our big weekend down in Richmond, Virginia, and culminating it in Harpers Ferry, West Virginia, with two epic shows. First, the one we were talking about for the last two weeks, with our event down at Hurley's Tavern in Richmond, featuring Arn Anderson and Ron Simmons and Jillian Hall and Shane Douglas and J.J. Dillon and a list of many, many other great competitors that we couldn't have been any more honored to be joined with. And to just say bluntly, we were overwhelmed by the fan response and the people that came out to attend this event. Uh, It's the understatement of the century. John and I are just so incredibly touched, and we were so incredibly taken aback by not only the support by everyone who came out, but the kind words that you said about the podcast. And rest assured, we're going to not only plan on another event next year at Hurley's, because they were asking us back by the time the event was over, but we're also going to be delivering more and more with this podcast. And as we brand extend this thing out into the IRW network, and we come up with new concepts and new shows, we hope And we really hope that you come aboard with us on the IRW and you listen to some of that exclusive content that we're going to have going on over on Eric Bischoff's IRW network. But then also having the chance to get out to Harpers Ferry, West Virginia for our good friends at Primal Conflict Wrestling on Sunday was another highlight of this great weekend because we got to get in the ring and we got to be the guest hosts of PCW's Fire Away event featuring Greg the Hammer Valentine, a surprise appearance by our good buddy Shane Douglas, and an absolutely extraordinary crowd that I know they've been saying on social media with Primal Conflict Wrestling's fan base, but the respect that the crowd showed Greg the Hammer Valentine at the culmination of his match where he locked in the figure four, and for a second, if you close your eyes, it was back to being 1985, and the hammer was so incredibly over with this crowd. It was uh, it was very cool to see if you are an old school fan. But Primal Conflict Wrestling, they do it the right way. They treated us like a million dollars. The fans were unbelievable. And even though I did have one little botch by trying to throw a T-shirt out into the crowd, hitting a beam, having to come back in the ring, I can easily say that this weekend it's going to be very hard to duplicate going forward because both events were just extraordinary. Both events were uh, something I think of a benchmark moment for us so far outside of the actual podcast shows. But John, you know, that's enough out of me. I want to get your take on everything before we get into today's episode. Hello with Gerald Briscoe. We're not going to sell that short. We just want to get this stuff out of the way before we talk about Jerry Briscoe. But John, just let, let's just jump, have you jump in here for a second. Give us your thoughts on the weekend and kind of recap it if you can. Uh, just a surreal moment for us, but uh, nonetheless, I think a lot of hard work really paid off in a major way. Wow, Chad, what a weekend. I'd like to just first thank all the fans that came out to the TMPT meet and greet on Saturday in Virginia, down in Richmond at Hurley's Tavern. A real big special thanks, I gotta say it again, Hurley's Tavern down in Richmond, Virginia. Thank you so much for having us. It was quite an atmosphere, and I just love the way they had to set up out there. Obviously, uh, afterwards, I loved uh, having a few uh, brewskis and a great burger and some great tater tots as well. Uh, So just have to mention that. Really, really got to put them over big. They were awesome. Uh, Trey and the guys and the girls, uh, Claire and the rest of the bunch, they are just awesome people. So thank you so much 
for everything on Saturday because it was a real special, special day, and it could have been a disaster, not only for us, but for many other people involved, and uh, it was great to be able to salvage that weekend and really make it into something unique and making it into something different and really making it into something quite worthwhile for not only us, but everyone involved. So just big, big thanks to especially Arn Anderson, the enforcer. What a class act. Also have to thank Jillian Hall, the franchise Shane Douglas, Ron Simmons, Earl Hebner, Dave Hebner, J.J. Dillon, Preston Quinn, Gary Michael Capetta, the Crockett Foundation for all their support, VCW, Vanguard Championship Wrestling, and of course, Classic Pro Wrestling, who are bringing back the Crockett Cup. So just have to thank them. I mean, what an awesome day. And also thank you to Dick Bourne and Dave at the Mid-Atlantic Gateway for stopping by and uh, giving us the awesome Horseman book. I cannot wait to read that. So thanks to everyone involved. And thank you for coming on down. Especially thanks to all the fans that came. Hope I got to meet each and every one of you. A couple of you, you know, you really stuck out to me and are really just great fans and just shows me why we will be back next year in Richmond and going to put on another hell of a show with a big cast of characters of course and you know not only was Saturday a big day and a special day but I also have to talk about Sunday as well Harpers Ferry West Virginia we went down to PCW Primal Conflict Wrestling what an awesome day special thank you to Tyler for letting us play a huge pivotal role in their show I mean we played a big part of the show we were making announcements we were making matches we absolutely had a blast and we can't wait to do it all again in Ranson, West Virginia for Revolution Rumble Enter the Dragon with Ricky the Dragon Steamboat so that was just great and it's pretty great I mean we've pretty much made our debut as a promoter and also made our debut as a talent as well so what a weekend awesome stuff I can't wait to do it again but I just you know just from the bottom of my heart thank you to everyone for coming out and thank you for everyone out there supporting the two-man power trip of a wrestling absolutely and let's get back to business here and let's talk about today's episode with Gerald Briscoe Obviously, when you think of the name Briscoe, you think of top-notch wrestling. You think of not only Jerry Briscoe, but his brother Jack Briscoe, one of the greatest shooters in the history of the business, one of the most legendary NWA World Heavyweight Champions, and Jack Briscoe quite possibly having one of the most uh, respected title runs in the history of the wrestling business, and especially that NWA championship but Jerry Briscoe in his own right hell of a career a hell of a hand in the ring and another legitimate tough guy that you know you might not think when you see him being goofy and acting all uh, all funny with Mr. McMahon and the Stooges in the late 90s I think that kind of overshadowed to some fans what Jerry Briscoe did in the ring all those years with his brother Jack as well on his own and it was definitely a, a conversation that you know, it's one of those guys you kind of get lost listening to. And when he starts going into some of the stories, especially talking about the Florida Championship Wrestling Territory and hearing some of those stories and things that may be getting lost to time to some fans because, you know, some of these guys that maybe not around anymore don't have the ability to tell us the stories. Well, the ones that are still here are going to be the key to keeping the legacies of these territories that you know, unfortunately, are long gone. They're going to keep those stories alive. And although we do touch on a little bit with that WWF run at the end of the 1990s for the Stooges, uh, it's worth the listen because 
Jerry gives a great story about Mr. McMahon or Mr. McMahon, as he liked to say, uh, at the end of the interview, because this was about the career of Jerry Briscoe and the Stooges, albeit being a very fun part of his career. And he will tell you that himself. Obviously, just a small sampling of the things that Jerry Briscoe did. So, John, let's get you back in here now. Talk about the career of Jerry Briscoe. Talk about what we have to look forward to in this interview. And I guess if you could really pinpoint the name Briscoe in the wrestling vernacular, I think it really stands for something in terms of uh, some of the greatest wrestling to ever step through the squared circle. Yes, Chad, you cannot overlook our guest today, and we don't mean to do that at all, but we just had to get that out of the way and had to give some special shout-outs and some special thanks to everyone for just having an unbelievable weekend, just one of the best weekends that two-man power trip has ever had, and that's for sure. But you can't forget about why we're here and what we're talking about today. That is the legend himself, Jerry Briscoe, comes in a two-man power trip, and i got to be honest... Didn't see this one coming. This was a rare interview. He is an awesome guy. He's a nice guy. And talking to him off air was just like, man, you know, this guy has got such a wealth of knowledge. It's so cool. You know, I really hope he comes on and he just lays out that wealth of knowledge and just does an awesome interview. And guess what? Boom. Awesome interview. Really, everything was out on the table. We didn't really want to go out and just discuss, hey, you're you know, you're a talent scout for WWE right now and you know, what are you doing and blah blah. We didn't really want to go into that too much. We're really kind of old school fans, but where the kind of conversation went, we do go into a lot of the scouting, we do go into current wrestling. So that was kind of a fun little add-on that we got. And we did get to talk about what he looks for, you know, what certain guys have what he's looking for, what guys may not, what they need to do. So that was some good good stuff for sure. And I like, especially on this show, I think everyone knows it by now, we mostly like going old school. So not only was this special and great in a way where we can talk about some WWE stuff, but I like to go old school and I like to talk about the old days. Obviously, like Chad mentioned, Florida Championship Wrestling, or excuse me, Championship Wrestling from Florida, and talking about the good old days down there in Florida. When you talk about Jerry Briscoe, you can't forget about one of the greatest wrestlers of all time, one of the greatest champions of all time, that is his big brother, Jack Briscoe. And to talk about their relationship was just awesome because, you know, sometimes you get a sibling rivalry or you get some jealousy, and none of that at all. He just had nothing but absolute love and admiration for his brother. And it was so cool to be able to get not only his stuff, what he thought about, you know, his brother and all that stuff, from the past but we go into a little bit of his family life in the present and we talk about his son and what where his son's at now and obviously Wes Briscoe was a former guest of ours on the show but I love to take the father's perspective and the father's point of view and what his dad you know what, what Jerry Briscoe really thought about Wes so that's some cool stuff as well and of course when you're talking to a legendary guy like this and he has a legendary past with Dusty Rhodes you get some amazing amazing stories and he really opens up and he gives us some really good dusty stuff. I mean, this is just some great stuff. If you go back, you listen to our Steve Kern interview, another just awesome dusty story. So we just keep on coming. Earl Hebner, too, actually had some great dusty stories. So we just keep on knocking out of the park with amazing dusty stories. And we really thank Jerry for opening up and sharing some of the stuff that he did. Now, also, 
we do talk WWF, and it's funny that a lot of fans nowadays, or, or you know, for the last couple of years, have really associated Jerry Briscoe not with being a legit shooter, not for being a legit tough guy, not for being a great wrestler, not for being a great amateur wrestler, but they always think of him as a stooge. And we ask him, you know, what is his feelings on that? Because, you know, if that was me, I would be, you know, pretty pissed about it but uh, his answer is great and he's very funny about it and he just tells some great stories about it about Mr. McMahon like you said there Chad and of course about Pat Patterson and about Stone Cold Steve Austin and things like that but it's always fascinating to me when a guy is a legit shooter a legit tough guy he gets labeled under a certain criteria or a certain gimmick like a stooge and then people really think he is that stooge and he's like a goofball or he's not a legit tough guy so I like to get the the background from Jerry on that, and that was really cool. But you do get some awesome stories of when he was a stooge and was doing the stuff with Vince and Steve Austin and Pat Patterson, and of course the Mean Street Posse and that big time, big ratings feud. So sit back, relax. You're gonna really enjoy this one, Jerry Briscoe, the Legend of Legend. Without a doubt. And if you want to head into the archives and you want to pull up the episode that we did with Jerry's son, Wes Briscoe, check that out on Podomatic.com. Check that out on iTunes. Type in Wes Briscoe, two-man power trip. You will get that. And you never know, that episode could end up heading on over to the IRW Network, where slowly we're going to be moving some of the archive over to the IRW Network so we can expose a whole new audience to the two-man power trip of wrestling as well as get ready for some exclusive content and some very, very unique shows heading your way in the very near future. And that can all be found on IRWNetwork.com. And we want to thank Jerry Briscoe for coming on to this show today. It was such an honor to speak with him and Michael Hayes. If you do hear this, we'd love to have the Freebird come on and tell some of those classic Freebird stories. And it's always an open invitation. Freebird rules do apply. So now, John, as the music starts to creep in, let's hit him with a little bit of two-man power trip of wrestling business and get it on over to Jerry Briscoe. Now for some TMPT business. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Two Man Power Trip and at Wrestling Pal. Please subscribe to us on YouTube. Also, subscribe to us on iTunes. Please leave us a review. We'd love to hear your feedback. Also, while on iTunes, check out the feed for prior legendary episodes featuring the living legend Bruno Sammartino, the late great American Dream Dusty Rose, the Enforcer Arn Anderson, Ray Mysterio Jr., Glenn Kane Jacobs, the phenomenal AJ Styles, lead WWE attorney Jerry McDivitt, and so many others. Also, while you're on the internet, check out ProWrestlingTees.com. Yes, that is ProWrestlingTees.com. They are your superstore for all your wrestling t-shirt needs. Check out our page. Check out Tito Santana, Coco Beware, Kevin Thorne, Buff Bagwell, Magnum TA, and so many others. Also, while you're on the web, check out our website, tmptofwrestling.com. And if you're on Android, please check us out on Google Play or Player FM. Follow along with the two-man power trip of wrestling in 2017 as we hit the road and we come to a town near you. Monroe, New Jersey on June 10th. Keyport, New Jersey on June 10th. Then we head on down to New Kent, Virginia on July 15th for the Crockett Cup. Then follow us down to Philadelphia where we hit the Icons Collectors Fest at the 2300 Arena. 
So please follow along with the two-man power trip of wrestling in 2017, because you never know where we may land. And now, without any further ado, a WWE Hall of Famer, a two-time former WWF Hardcore Champion, he is a former three-time NWA World Tag Team Champion, he is one of the infamous Briscoe Brothers, he is a current talent scout for the WWE, Jerry Briscoe. Please enjoy. Gerald Briscoe, I'm so glad I caught up with you. I mean, you've been defending this hardcore title 24 hours a day, seven days a week. How has it changed your life? Michael, it has changed my life so much. You don't have any funny ideas, do you? Not at all. Well, let, at all. let me tell you, you know, Michael, my boys at home are trying to beat me. My neighbors are trying to beat me. I go to Briscoe Brothers Body Shop. They're trying to beat me there. I go to the airport this morning. They're all pointing fingers at me. I'm looking for striped shirts everywhere. I mean, I go into a restaurant. They're trying to point fingers at me. They're trying to beat me there. I just don't know what I'm going to do. It's just changed my life so much, Michael. I'm beginning to be a nervous wreck. I don't know if you can tell that or not, but it's just driving me fast. So everyone, well, what are you guys doing? Oh, 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 it's easy one. Here we go. Joining us on the line tonight is an outright legend of professional wrestling. He's a WWE Hall of Famer. He's a former NWA Junior Heavyweight Champion and a three-time NWA Tag Team Champion. His last name is synonymous with such great moments in professional wrestling. And we are so honored to be joined tonight on the two-man power trip by the one and only Mr. Gerald Briscoe. Thank you so much for joining us this evening. Well, thank you very much for the nice introduction there. It was a wild ride on my career. It really was. I've been fortunate to be in a lot of right places at the right time. Oh, that is uh, the absolute understatement of the century. We, uh, we're going to get into some of that today. I just want to say right to start, we, uh, we spoke with your son, Wes, a couple months back. And just to talk about your family's uh, lineage in the business with you, and your brother Jack, and then to see Wes carrying it on, it's, uh, it was a very cool story to hear it from him growing up Briscoe, as we uh, as we'd like to say. But uh, I guess I'd like to start just by asking you this, you know, what do you think that the Briscoe name means in professional wrestling? Because obviously we think of uh, some real rough and tumble guys in the ring, we think of some great matches, and obviously some absolutely legendary championship runs for both you and your brother Jack. Well, thank you. I, you know, I would, all I'd like, you know, to, don't want to write my obituary yet, but you know, I just, you know, the Briscoe name. I think it, uh, it just means a solid, consistent uh, wrestling. You know, guys who stick to the basics, guys that don't try to get too fancy, but you know, stick to the basics and listen to their fans and uh, listens to the audience worldwide and and tries to uh, tries to please them any way that they can, you know, and I mean, you know, there were times when we, uh, were on the other side, uh, against steamboat and young blood. And, uh, but I still think we stuck to our roots and, uh, stuck to the basics of, of the business and, uh, was able to make it work for us. Oh, and make it work in a huge way because you guys had impacts in basically in every territory that you both went to, uh, your brother Jack being a former NWA world champion, that being such a huge distinction, 
at the time he wore the belt and you guys just really dominating the tag team scene when you guys were uh, really at, uh, you know, basically anywhere you went. But, you know, if I can just stick with Wes for a second, what does it mean for you to have Wes involved in the business and really, you know, be a guy who's probably got one of the best physiques of anyone pretty much in the industry as a whole because he's in insane shape. But what does it mean for you to have Wes actively still pursuing professional wrestling? Well, I'm I'm extremely proud of Wes. He he's worked his butt off. He's paying his dues, and he he's doing it the right way, you know. And I mean, the truth be known, you know, he could probably make some phone calls and get things done. But you know, he's always wanted to do things his way. Uh, when he when he got out to out of school, he had an opportunity to go on a professional wakeboarding tour instead of going and jumping right into professional wrestling. And he chose that, but that's a real young man sport. So, um, you know, that career lasted into his mid-20s, and uh, and uh, uh, he had a knee injury and right training for the for – the, actually training for the World Championships over in Orlando. I think he placed highest seventh in the world in, 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 in the World Championships of wakeboarding. So he had a very good career. He had sponsors and all that stuff. And, of course, when he got injured, you know, by the time of ACL – healed it was about a year and you know the kid other kids are coming along and they catch up with you and their passion that that's a very competitive sport so he, he you know he succeeded that he won several tournaments several championships he was florida x game champion a few times and competed in uh in the x games uh nationwide so he had a heck of a career career in that, and then when that was over for him, he you know he's a very competitive young man. He he asked if it you know if he could get in the business. Said, well, it's up to you. You know, your 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 life. So he's worked hard at it, and I think he's making a success of himself. And he's you know everywhere I go, it always makes me proud when people tell me how good of a young man he is. But we're you know how good anything else he is when they start with that you know he's a, he's a good great young man that's what you want out of a out of a, out of a kid you know is to be a good person and i think he is that that's what i've been told so i'm very proud of him in that aspect and he's working hard to get where he wants to go and one of these days he might make it you know that's uh that's very great to hear that's actually uh that's that's a very great response to hear a father say about his son and we were talking about you know his wakeboarding experiences and he's got some crazy stories that would be on par with uh you know his wrestling stories just based off of how dangerous it can be and the injuries that you can get but what did you kind of tell him to expect you know when he started to train because he's he told us you know how much he he just he watched you and your brother, and he just uh, just absolutely idolized you guys. But what, what did you kind of tell him to expect when he decided to uh, to get into wrestling? Well, I told him number one, listen to his uncle Jack. Don't listen to me, you know, because uh, his uncle Jack was uh, was was a world champion and and and, and heavyweight world champion, and uh, and uh, really mastered the business both inside and out, and. Uh, and uh, his uncle Jack was was his hero growing up, and they, you know, only lived a few miles from us, and he would spend a lot of time over there at uh, my brother's lake, you know, swimming with him and boating with him and all that stuff. And they got to be very close, which which was a thrill for me. And uh, and uh, Jack always gave him good advice: be true to yourself. Uh, you know, just don't get away from what you know the best, and don't be afraid to to rely on the basics and, and have a good foundation. And I think that's the philosophy he, he lives on today. 
Very, uh, very wise words, but uh, learning from either Briscoe, from our perspective, is great. When you can win 20 tag team championships across 13 years spanning so many different promotions. But where I'd love to start with your career is, uh, is down in the state of Florida because we've heard so many legendary stories about the state of Florida. And we actually just spoke with Steve Kern the other night. And did we get to hear some great stories about the state of Florida and championship wrestling from Florida but uh, what we're kind of trying to do is really educate the fan base as to what was going on down there because at one point, Florida was pretty much one of, if not the biggest hotbeds for professional wrestling. Well, you're exactly right. And, uh, you know, being a part of that growth, I mean, in the, in the early and mid-70s to the, to the early 80s, uh, there were, I don't think there was any place in the U.S. that was a consistently hot like like Florida was. I mean, you know, the crowds were just tremendous. Every week it seemed like we were, we were breaking records. I know we went to Miami. Uh, we had a stroke on a streak of almost like uh, uh, 50, almost close to one year in a row of every Wednesday night selling out the Miami Beach Convention Center. And uh, we had, I mean, it was, you know, it was the only game going. The Dolphins were going, but they weren't very that very good at that time there. And uh, and so, uh, professional wrestling, we had primetime TV, and of course, there's great Gordon Soli and all the superstars. You can go down the list of uh, of just about any typical card in in the state of Florida, and probably find a half dozen to a dozen uh, Hall of Famers and and guys that should be Hall of Famers. You know, so. The talent level, Eddie Graham just had an eye for talent, and he also allowed the guys to be themselves and and uh, and work their style. And when we had such a such a unique blend that we had from superstar Billy Graham to uh, magnificent Morocco to Dusty Rhodes to Dick Slater, Steve Kerr, Mike Graham, the Briscoes, of course, and. Uh, and other guys are just you know packs on uh, now with uh, Gary Hart's army come in and. The talent here was just so deep; it was just uh, just unbelievable. So you know, when 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 everybody wanted to come here because number one of the talent, and number two because of the business we were doing, we had a streak here that was just just about unmatched in the in the in anywhere in the country. Think about Florida and your career. Obviously, you know, you started you started team with your brother, but I'm always curious with you. Your brother, Jack Briscoe, obviously, arguably, the greatest wrestler of all time. Was it a lot of nervousness on your part, or was it big shoes to fill, having to be, you know, uh-huh. his, the younger brother or having to team with him or kind of following his footsteps, so to speak? Uh, you know, one of my best friends on the business, he used to run up and down the road with Roddy Piper, asked me that question one time. I said, you know, Roddy, it's not not, not that you, you want to be better. It's you got to be better. You know, I mean, you know, you can't you can't be average when when that name is mentioned. You know, you <laughs> got you got to go. You got to go, and you got to pick it up. And I think that was my drive. You know, I just didn't want to be another another guy with that name. I wanted to you know be on top and and make you know, make my own name and. I think that's the reason I went to the Carolinas, you know, and, and made my own name up there before, actually before Jack and I got together, you know, when Rip Hawk and uh, Sweet Hanson were against me and Sandy Scott and later me and Thunderbolt Patterson broke just about every record in, in the Carolinas during the 70s. And uh, that's where uh, 
I really got my education. And, you know, Jack was, uh, had his run with the title while I was in Carolinas. Then after that, you know, he'd made his run and everything. So that's when we kind of said, okay, hey, let's team up and see if we can, you know, do something like that. So that's kind of how we how we got together. I was in the Carolinas making uh, – getting over and getting the big shows. He was in Florida, you know, and we had, we had the perfect foils at that time, the Funk Brothers. So we would interchange. You know, they would come to Carolinas. Jack would come up there and we'd, we'd – be you know uh, selling out all the big crowds up there in the big coliseums and the, then we would go down here to florida and, and basically do the same thing go out to texas and do the same thing out there so we had great competition to to go along with us to, to help enhance our name and we helped enhance the funk's name and i think uh, the four of us together just had that that magic chemistry that that you get with the certain guys and it just got over nationwide. It was phenomenal. Anytime you mention pro wrestling, you got to mention the Funks and the Briscoes. They almost go hand in hand in certain ways. And it was such a big feud and such a good feud and four of the best professional wrestlers of all time. I mean, there's no doubt about that. But what was the feud like kind of, you know, away from the ring? Was there a real-life feud with the, the Funks and the Briscoes? Is it one of those things where you guys just never liked each other? That's kind of an urban legend, and it's kind of a legend I kind of enjoy, and a kind of a legend I like to remain, you know, a mystery. I mean, do we have our disagreements? I mean, you work with somebody worldwide that many times, and you're on the road with them, and, you know, you're both all four are highly competitive individuals and, you know, highly motivated guys, and and you're going to get difference of agreements and you're going to have little little feuds and you know people like to enhance those things so am i going to say you know for all those years it was it was um you know peaches and cream with the fox and the briscoes hell no i mean that's what made part of the uh the rival so damn good you know because there was always that uh that doubt, you know, that uh that uh that we were able to not only keep with our, in ourselves, but we were able to just let enough of it out to the to the people, to the public, through the voices of guys like um, Gordon Soley and uh, and uh, and Mr. Cottle up in North Carolina, Bob Cottle, you know, and uh, the announcers like that would just you know build that rivalry. I mean, it's kind of a legend, but yeah, there was friction, but you know, there was also that trust and friendship that you got to have when you go in the ring worldwide with these guys. And there were no egos involved once we got in that, in that ring, everybody was for business. And that's, that's what set it apart too. There were no egos and there was room for hell of a lot of egos in that match. Hmm. Oh yeah. And kind of speaking of kind of egos, but, but in a good way, you know, larger than life character, obviously he's one of your best friends, uh, near and dear to our show. He, you know, he, he put us over big time, which we, we can never forget that. And uh, never, never forget him for that. But Dusty Rhodes, the American dream, obviously you've known him for a long time. Uh-huh. Florida, Florida legend, you know, big down there, obviously worldwide uh-huh. legend. But what are your kind of memories of Dusty? Uh, I just got so damn many. Oh, man, it's uh, just so many memories. And I actually met Dusty uh, a year before he started in the business in San Antonio because we used to go in and out of San Antonio all, all the time. And Stan Hansen reminded me of the story uh, a couple of weeks ago at WrestleMania. We went out and had a couple of beers, and he said, 
he said, I met you and Jack. He said, I was still still uh, a, a singer in college. He said, me and Dusty came into TV one time. And uh, you guys wanted us to show you the, the the social life of Amarillo after 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 dark. <laughs> In other words, all the all the clubs around. So we took you guys out, and of course, Dusty and I got in a fight, performed for you guys. We had a ball, and you know, we all got drunk next morning. We had to show up and go drive 300 miles to Albuquerque. <laughs> but uh, so I met you. My 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 time with Dusty was very early, and then. When I started traveling around a lot out of Carolina, I'd go to Kansas City and I'd see him and Dickie Murdoch there and Jack and I. They'd have a lot of tag tournaments out there, and we'd team up. We'd work against them. This is very before they were even the Outlaws went to Detroit and became the Outlaws. It's just Dick Murdoch and Dusty Rhodes, you know, just two characters, and uh, and they made that run up there. But I, you know, I, I ran into Dusty everywhere: Carolina, Georgia, Florida. Of course, Florida, we became. Uh, very good friends. My wife and his wife are very dear friends. I, I, you know, I've, I know all of his children very well. And they, I got pictures of Wes on Dusty's uh, uh, kitchen table, and uh, when he was an infant, you know, what I mean. So we go back a long ways, and my memories of the dream is just there's nobody like him, and just just there's just so many uh, good thoughts that run through your mind, and. Uh, He's missed. He's missed so much. It's you know his influence was so great on so many people in so many ways, and uh, and mostly as a person. And and that's what's important to me. What kind of a person he was uh, to me, and 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 it was wonderful. Uh, I was blessed to have known Dusty Rhodes. He is one of the all-time greats, and. We kind of talked to Steve Kern, you know, about Dusty quite a bit, and we were saying how even if you didn't know him that well, you felt like you were friends with him or, or, you know, you felt like you were close with him. I can't even imagine somebody was that close with him. You know, you almost feel like he's your brother, right? Yeah, he was my brother. I mean, I didn't feel like it. He was my brother. I mean, uh, it was just – he was my big brother, you know, and we used to argue Dusty was a year older than me, and he used to lie like hell. And a funny story, uh, <laughs> when he got uh, when he got old enough to, to get Social Security, he didn't he couldn't find the right damn ID because he lied so many times. He had so many damn different passports and forms of ID with different birth date on it. You know, <laughs> he couldn't find the right one to prove he was sixty five years old to go on Social Security. So they had to fly to Austin, Texas, go through the capital there and find proof of his birth and all that before he could get his paperwork. But it, it was hilarious. We used to call each other on each other's birthday. Two times a year, two or three times a year, I know I'd always hear from Dusty, the, the Oklahoma uh, Oklahoma State or OU Texas football game, we'd always call and, and send messages to each other. And, uh, and, uh, that uh, that was that was that was the time we we communicated and on our birthdays we we always called each other. It was October and mine was September, so but he was a year year and a month older than me. So, but we had we had a ball together. We challenged each other to the simplest thing from drinking a beer to you know spitting. I mean, it was just good old country boy. Hmm. Uh, he will go down as one of the greats, but not only wrestlers, one of the greatest people. I mean, so many good stories about him. So many people so attached to him and, and love him so much. And he meant so much to not only the wrestling business, but in particular 
when he got down there in, in the NWA and JCP and Jim Crocker Promotions, I mean, he he changed the game. He he really did a, a lot of good things. And one thing in particular was that you know, as far as you're concerned, Briscoe Brothers, like you mentioned before, against Steamboat and Youngblood. What are your you know your memories of feuding with those guys? A young Ricky Steamboat and Jay Youngblood. Wow, I mean, it was just just one of those situations where you know, once again, you know. And, and and old school business, it, it's it's and I and I said at the very beginning, being in the right place at the right time. And uh, we we were up there. We being my brother and I were were up there, and Ricky and Jay were just coming off of a red, steaming hot feud with Sergeant Slaughter and Don Carnoodle. I mean, just coming off of a of a of a huge program, set records everywhere. You know, everywhere they went, that match set records. And so they were just coming off that program, and Jack and I was there. You know, with feuding with uh, uh, the Andersons and whatever other teams they had there. You know, and uh, and so uh, Ricky and Jay got got finished with the program, and they started looking. You know, Carolina such a large was a large territory at the time. They ran three towns a night, so you needed two or three sets of of stars, and so. Um, uh, they were they were a set of a baby faced uh, team that was stars and Jack and I was the other one and I, I can't remember who the other one it was Pyro or Wahoo and somebody Wahoo I think Mark Youngbud and Jimmy Valiant were thrown in there also and uh, that's another place where the talent list was so deep during that time there but so uh, we started just BSing with uh, Ricky and Jay because we'd done it down in Florida just to kind of. Turned heel, but then you know, not really turn heel. Just kind of play that borderline asshole type guy, and uh, hmm. against uh, against Mike and Steve down here in Florida, and it kind of worked. But it didn't work to the level that it worked up there because people down here just didn't want to see us, you know, in, in that. And we didn't really carry the program out as long as we carried it out in Carolina. So uh, we started BSing with. Uh, with Ricky, you know, hey, you know, who you guys going to work? I don't know, man. He said, we don't have anybody. And we said, how about if we turn heel? <laughs> he just laughed in the both of us face. And uh, Jay came over, and they both laughed. The Crockett never let us. So we went to Crockett. And, of course, well, you know, we run three towns a night. We need we need, we need, need all the strong babyface teams we can get. You know, we need it. It's, it just won't work. You guys are too strong of babyfaces. And, uh, and uh, Jack and I... And Ricky and Jay, we said, well, you know, it's the right combination to do it. You know, let us just try it. Let us just do something. And so uh, it was a very unique. So finally we we, we talked him in, into going for it. And we, we, we did something very unique. We really didn't change our style. We just went out and we were just a little bit more confident, a little bit more arrogant. We did a couple of finishes where they were borderline, you know, wasn't on purpose to Jack. Uh, throw itself across Ricky's legs and hurt him on purpose, or was it an accident from when Jay gave him a big chop and he ran into the ropes and fell over and accidentally hit it? So, and what we did, it wasn't so much about the individuals as was it, you know. And we we were honest with, hey, this is the end of our line. We never had the world championships before, so we made it actually a program at an angle. And it sounds insane nowadays. But we made it about a championship belt. You know, we made it about the world championship. 
we made that title mean something. And I think that's the reason that people bought us so much because they know we're at the ends of our career. And that's one thing we'd never had together. And so I think, you know, that really, really topped it off. And then, and, and needless to say, it's sold out houses everywhere. Awesome. Awesome. Few, even, you know, sometimes matches you go back and watch like, Oh, it doesn't really hold up that well today. Still holds up to today, 35, 36, you know, whatever, 30 plus years later, it still holds up. And if you go back and watch uh Starcade 83, I mean, the match is awesome. Can you just take us back to a Starcade? Yeah, that, that was, you know, that was a really, you know, it was, it was planned, uh, about a year in advance and Crockett, I got to give Jim Crockett uh, Jr. Uh, some really good uh, props here because he, uh, and that's Michael Hayes trying to call me right now, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to pick up for him. So I'm keeping <laughs> you guys on and ignoring Michael Hayes. <laughs> so, so anyway, Michael, I'll talk to you later. So anyway, yeah. What was the question again? Michael distracted me. Oh, start. Oh, it started taking me back. Yeah, Jimmy had put that show together, you know, and it was we 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 wanted it to be you know one of the first everything, and uh, and you know it just it was so tough back in those days to get closed circuit everywhere, and then Jimmy at the last minute uh, it didn't happen. Some of his business people we weren't able to get it, so. It ended up just, you know, basically being a, a classic, but uh, it was shown in all through Carolinas. We had it in some of the buildings uh, around. and, and But uh, Jimmy had put together a card, and Dusty had just come in. I think that was one of Dusty's first really big productions that he did with Crockett with, with Starcade 83. And uh, But he was wise, as Dusty is. He just stayed back out of the way and really wasn't involved, I don't think. Was he even on the card that night, or was he just involved in some minor way? But but he was running the show, and it had his fingerprints all over. And uh, But uh, it was a really exciting week, of course, Thanksgiving weeks. You know, every year in Carolina, there's always that big Greensboro show, so you look forward to that because you knew you were going to make your 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 rest of the year payoff and then that show there. So we we're all looking forward to it and we did like six month build up. It was it was a big production. It's like, you know, we used to do WrestleMania, just build up to and we had like I said it was Piper, uh Piper and Valentine. It was uh Flair and Race and the Briscoes, Team Blood, Young Boat and uh Young Blood and we had we had just just uh, stars everywhere. I think there's 12 Hall of Fame members on that card, and that's unbelievable, you know, for that for that time. So, uh, but it was an exciting night, and uh, I, you know, I just uh, wasn't nervous at all, just ready to go. The competition juices had kicked in, and the four of us was ready, and we just went out and just did what we were paid to do. And it was fun, you know. And it. Uh... It's definitely Starcade 83. I mean, it still holds up to this day where you can go back and watch all the main matches and you could basically put them on any wrestling show uh, right now and they would still hold up because they are so uh, brutal. Some of them, obviously, Valentine and Piper, and they're so just, uh, they're so stiff. Some of them, they're just, they're, it's a great show, but I just want to jump forward a little bit here. Uh, just briefly, I, I got to ask about when you guys got to the WWF 
1984 because that was very cool to see. Uh, you know, when we went back to look and see that you guys made such a name for yourself across the territories, but finally came up to New York. And when you got to New York, greeted uh, very, very nicely with uh, a little run there with Dickie Murdoch and Adrian Adonis, who were uh, running rough shot through the territory. But did it mean anything big to get to New York after all those years of uh, floating around all the different territories? You know, yes and no. Yes, it did because, you know, I'd, I'd been a Madison Square Garden, but I'd never been in Boston Garden. I'd never been in Philly Spectrum, you know, the the, the big venues like that. But I was fortunate in my career, though, where I, you know, where I worked big Houston shows, big worked big St. Louis shows. And quite honestly, back in my days, I mean, if you made the, the top matches in St. Louis, you know, that was as big as you could get, you know. And so, uh, I'd done that. So when I when I got to New York, I was thrilled because of the the, the capacity of of the consistency each night of the numbers of people. That's what amazed me. It wasn't if you break them down individually, individually, you know, it wasn't such a big deal. But you know, holy cow, you're hitting Madison Square Garden one night, the Boston Garden the next night, the Fair Spectrum the next night, Pittsburgh Big Arena one night, and L.A. the next night. You know. Houston, Dallas, Minneapolis, and it's like, you know, seven, eight nights in a row and you're seeing 15,000, 20,000 people. That that was the buzz. That was the thrill for me. It was the consistency of it, not the individual part of it there. And the getting to run with uh, Dickie, Murdoch, and Adrian, we'd known them both for a long time, especially, like I said, with Dickie, you know, back in my, my early career, I was friends with him. And then Adrian had us, Keith Franks had a great run down here in Florida, and I had to be a friend with him. So it was it was like a reunion when we went back. And we, all four of us, knew each other very well, knew what we were capable of. So, you know, it was a, Vince gave us an opportunity, and that opportunity came because uh, of the, the, the Samoans and the Freebirds. Uh, the uh, Freebirds got let go because uh, – one of them got a little inebriated. Imagine that, the Freebirds, and uh, they got fired, and they, they had a run going. And then the Samoans, uh, they got, uh, got upset over a payday and walked out. So we were like Vince's reserve team. and But we started working with Murdoch and Adonis, and the damn thing got over so well that we, we, we abandoned that uh, reserve team and became a, a, you know, the the A-team, sort of say, on it. And, uh, Went all around the country with them for several months, and Bonnie Jack, just a, the, the historic story. We were in Newton, New Jersey, in a blizzard. Couldn't, Morocco was picking us up. We couldn't find the cars in, in, the, in the blizzard out there. And Jack heard a plane heading south. He said, Gerald, see that plane there? He said, the next one heading south, I'm on. So I'm gone. I'm going back home. And that was it. <laughs> he decided to call it quits then. So I went on to Philly and uh, Explained to him Jack had retired suddenly, <laughs> and uh, and you know that's when I you know I kind of took a little hiatus at that time. There a few months later, I got called and asked if I wanted to to kind of join the uh, the administration part of the of the company. There, of course, I jumped at the opportunity and been there ever since. I was going to say, uh, definitely a phone call that uh, would last a lifetime because you're still, you know, it's very tied into the uh, to the brain trust. But you know, I'll tell you what, with that run in the uh, in the WWF, I haven't really heard that much ever in that much detail talked about because uh, it not that it wasn't a short run, but 
you know, like you said, Jack decided that he wanted to uh, kind of head back, and, uh, you know, that was the end of it. But you guys were tied in back, you know, even doing uh, Piper's Pit at one point and, you know, getting to uh, kind of tie up with, uh, with some of the young guns that were coming in. But what did you think of the New York scene and the guys that were coming in at that point? Because obviously you guys were on the brink of WrestleMania 1 just as you guys were getting into the company. So what did you kind of think of the whole entire New York territory as a whole with what they were planning on doing? Well, you you hit, you just hit the key word where where you know Jack had actually made up his mind when you said young guns because uh, we were scheduled to go into WrestleMania, you know, and uh, and uh, Jack just literally didn't didn't he Jack was a perfectionist and he had no that you know he was in his forties and he was honest with himself and he knew that he didn't have that energy and that passion to commit to uh to a title run and he just he wasn't he, he was Jack Briscoe and he wasn't gonna be anything but Jack Briscoe. So that that's what really led to his retirement that he just knew that he couldn't perform on the level that we wanted to do anymore. And uh, and and he said, I'm not gonna embarrass myself or embarrass you or the or the name. So that's that's really one of the reasons why he decided to call it quick because our next go round was going to be against Mike Rotunda and Barry Wyndham. I forgot the young stallions. I think they were called. Or I can't remember what they called. The young Americans. You remember their names? Whatever they was at that time. You, uh, U.S. Express. U.S. Express. But that was going to be our next program after Murdoch and Anonymous, you know, and WrestleMania. And Jack just didn't want to do that program. He said, I don't have the energy to do it. I don't have the passion to do it. No, I just don't want to do it. And he said, you can say and do whatever you want to do. But, uh, you know, and, you know, it was a tag team deal, package deal. And I, I was kind of kind of at the point, too, where I was wanting to take a little break because we'd made the sale and pretty comfortable. And, you know, I just wanted some time, too, so... That's when it, when when he quit, you know, because we he knew what was coming. He knew we'd have a run with the uh, with uh, with uh, Rotunda and Wyndham, uh, 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 yeah, Rotunda and the other kid uh, Barry, and we just didn't have the energy to do it. And and it takes a commitment. And as you probably read back in those days, it was not unusual to go ninety to a hundred days in a row without a day off, and it was brutal travel. So he just didn't want to do it, and I, I can't blame him looking back on it. And that's why I think we still revere uh, everybody from your generation because can't imagine that. I mean, to think, you know, sometimes when you go a couple weeks without, uh, you know, a significant day off here or there to see what you guys had to go through in 90, 100, sometimes even, you know, gosh, three, four months if you if you were out on the road for that long. But i got to kind of ask the hypothetical here because obviously – you know, we, we're not going to get the time to go into it, but you would go on to be an illustrious uh, WWE, WWF hardcore champion. But what do you think uh-huh. you and Jack could have accomplished had you gotten a full run in the WWF? Uh, same thing. I mean, you know, and I, I tell that to guys now. I mean, uh, there's guys in, in this era right here now that, that, that could, could get over back in mine, and there's guys in mine that could definitely get over in this one here. It's it's not it's you know it's not the gimmick, it's it's not the storyline because our storylines were simple and it's not you know it didn't really what individuals didn't have a lot of gimmicks. 
It's that person behind it. It's that person that works his ass off every night in the ring and stays consistent and stays true to itself. And that's, a, you know, Stone Cold Steve Austin and my son Wes have become very good friends. And Stone Cold's advice to Wes every time he talks to him, be yourself, stay true to yourself. And I, I couldn't I couldn't say it any better, but coming from Stone Cold to Wes, it's just it's, it means a hell of a lot more than me telling my son the same thing, you know. But uh, it's just true. You know, these kids nowadays, they just stay themselves. And, you know, Roman Reigns, if he stays himself, you know, and don't change. I mean, you know, people are going to hate him and people are going to love him. Look at John Cena. Now, he's one of the most revered guys, but in the beginning people loved and hated him, you know. But nowadays they still love hate, but there's, he's still one of the most revered guys there is. Stay true to yourself. Don't get off course. Don't let people talk you into change, and don't let the fans convince you you need to change. Just be yourself, and pretty soon they'll see this is who you are. And he's, they're good people. And uh, that's my advice to these young guys now is just don't get off course. If you believe in something, you believe it's strong, make it work. Make it yours and make it work. That is awesome advice. And as we start to hit the wind-down button, kind of gives Wes that advice. And on the other side of the spectrum, he gives you a, a stone-cold stunner when he was feuding with Vince <laughs> and Pat Patterson. Do you think that's kind of fair at all? Uh, you know, I had more fun doing that than I had anything in my life. I, you know, I used to rip Pat Patterson all the time. Pat, you and I worked for all of our careers trying to be a legit tough ass, you know, <laughs> you know, considered a, you know, a top a class and ring technician. But you know what? These last three or four years, we're going to go down as stooges. How's that make you feel? Oh, oh, please don't say that. Please don't say that. No, no, no. He gets so pissed at me for saying that. But, uh, you know, I love it. It was fun. I took every damn finish I could possibly take, and I volunteered to do it because I just wanted to say I did it, you know. I was 55 years old, man. I was having a ball of my life. Who wouldn't, you know, at that age? Here you are getting getting exposed to a completely different generation of, of fans and, and, and customers that you'd never touched before that weren't even alive, you know, when you were, when you were working that that hard that you know you get 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 exposed and it was it was such a thrill and you know i just look at it as you know i was blessed to touch you know another generation of fans and i was extremely thankful for the opportunity and had a ball doing it and i'd do it all over again if i could and one key thing that you have to mention when you mention you know the stooges and the attitude era and vince versus austin and you and pat patterson you guys got huge ratings, so the fans are into it, yeah. too. Yeah, isn't that phenomenal? And, uh, you know, I mean, you know, you can go back on each one of our segments, and each one of the segments they had on the Stooges would, would be the peak of the show, you know. And uh, then we end up on the – and I uh, give props. And if you haven't got to get Pete Gass's book, uh, Counting the Lights or whatever the name of it is, he'll be mad at because I can't remember it. But uh, – Tremendous read and one of tremendous young men. Those guys were so much fun and and so cooperative to work with and uh, and just you know they did everything they could to help us along. But we had a ball in that match. We ended up having the highest rated segment of, of Raw of all time. Well, I think over actually over eight million people tuned in to see to see that thing. Of course, we uh, we parlayed Terry Bollea there, but uh, you know what the hell, it was fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
mimicking uh, the Hulkster coming out uh, the Real American. It, it was it was a great fun gimmick. And then you know then at the end of the night, you guys get beer poured on you and get a Stone Cold Stunner. Yeah, yeah. Imagine that. You know, go from hero to zero just like that. But you know, <laughs> I don't know how many stunners I took and how many jackets he ripped off of me. And one thing I got to say about Steve. He respected us, but he respected the business so much, too, that he didn't slack off on us. He worked with us like he worked with everybody else. I mean, when he said he stomped a mud hole into you, he stomped playing mud holes into me. And he, 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 I mean, he'd nail me as hard as he could, and I loved it, and he loved it, you know, and I'd fight back as hard as I could and wouldn't even, wouldn't even phase him. But, uh, it was an enjoyment to be in there, and uh, like I said, what I appreciated, he treated us like he treated anybody else, and, and he didn't he didn't slack off on us or anything. And I think that's all part of what made made that that whole thing work. You know, was a cooperation that we had among each other. It was fun, guys. Absolutely, and pretty awesome to say that you're a WWE Hall of Famer as well. Because 2008, you guys go into the Hall of Fame, so there's another awesome kind of moment in your career to throw out there. Yeah, that, that was so that was so cool, you know. Anything you get to do with family is cool and going in with your brother and uh was was just extra special and uh in Orlando where we'd worked and we'd actually owned the promotion in Orlando and uh it was it was a special night being being in Florida and it, you know there was a a lot of Eddie Graham going in, you know, uh uh the Dwayne Johnson going, not Dwayne, but Rocky Johnson going in, Dwayne presenting him, and saying uh, May Young, who was a, a fellow Oklahoman, and so it was just a blast, and I even enjoyed old damn Texan uh, JBL uh, giving me the intro that night. He he, he was funny. He, he's, he's a good guy, but uh, it was a fun night, and uh, you know, a night I'll never forget. And uh, I was honored last year, last summer, my brother and I went into the Chickasaw Nation the Hall of Fame out in Oklahoma, which is a very prestigious Hall of Fame. Of course, you got to be bloodline to the Chickasaw Nation, which I'm very proud of my native heritage there, and uh, and support all the rights uh, that uh, that we have coming there. But uh, that was that uh, was an honor too. I got to say, the two were probably some of the biggest honors I've ever had. It's awesome. And, you know, I don't want to get too much into it, but obviously what you're doing today, you're, you're still shaping the WWE in, in, in some way. So it's awesome to kind of see you come up from Florida and then kind of full circle doing your thing and, and kind of in Florida again and kind of, you know, creating talent. You know, you made yourself as a talent in Florida and you're kind of creating some talent in Florida. So you ever feel yourself, you know, it's almost like a full circle thing. You're uh, you're, you know, so synonymous with Florida. I, I crack up about it all the time. I started out as Gerald Briscoe when I very first started. Then when I came to Florida, you know, I did a little tagging with Jack. And so uh, Eddie Graham said, you know, Gerald's a little formal. Why don't two J's? Why don't we go Jack and Jerry? And then, oh, I don't care, you know, just put me on the card. You know, <laughs> was all I care about. <laughs> so I'll become Jerry there with a, with a J, you know. Then when I went up to work with Vince uh, up in WWE, well, Jerry, for some reason in the Northeast, Jerry up there begins with a, a G. And so I became Jerry with a G. So I've been Gerald, Jerry with a J, now I'm Jerry with a G. And after a while, you know, after we got into the Stooges and Vince and I, you know, we really became friends, 
then, you know, my friends call me Gerald, so I come back to being Gerald. So you talk about full circle, and then, you know, yeah, hell yeah, <laughs> it was it was a hell of a ride. It was worth the drive, as you say. <laughs> and if I could ask, you, you have so many great matches, and, I mean, even 60-minute draws against Story Funk Jr. for the NWA title, or even two out of three falls against Story for the title. Do you have a favorite match or maybe a couple of favorite matches in your career? Well, I mean, you know, it's it's unfair. I got several favorite matches, and you know, some of them, uh, some of them, uh, with guys that were just guys that were helping me get to where I, I needed to be, and uh, they're unsung heroes. You know, you go back to Frank Marsoni's, uh, the uh, Cuban, uh, the original Cuban assassin, uh, Johnny Hodelman. Uh, I mean, they go way back, you know, and. Uh, uh, Sandy Scott is a tag team partner, you know, and Thunderbolt Patterson, the Thunderbolt now were the first uh, interracially mixed tag team champions in the Carolinas, which meant a lot for them. We used to be riding around and hit point to a sign, hey, brother, look over there. I look at it. Welcome North Wolf to well, home of the Ku Klux Klan. I said, well, I guess I know who's going to be buying the beer tonight, you know. <laughs> so, uh, hmm. but, you know, it, it was, it was, it, it, it was fun. I mean, you know, you know, you know, I being being partner with Thunderbolt was was a different experience. You know, learning what he had gone through, and you know, Luther Landy, another African American wrestler, where he was a travel a road partner of ours, and be uh, two African Americans, one Native American, traveling together, and we go into these towns. You know, and like, Thunderbolt didn't hide anything. He had a black on black uh, Eldorado Cadillac, brand new, shined up, and everything. So when we ride in town, everybody knew we were in town. And what's that boy doing in there to, to those African Americans? You know, <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was it was it was a challenge, and it was a challenge listening to what they what they had gone through and hearing the stories of their their deal. So that's what you get out of this business. You get a cultural education. You know, guys will just take time to get to know each other and listen to each other's stories. And that's, you know, they miss a lot of those road trips nowadays. And that's a shame because that's really how you get to go know each other. And, uh, and, uh, but they go through hardships nowadays and, uh, they have the same problems that we do, you know, being away from home and, uh, and messing vacation, messing uh, their wife's birthday, their anniversaries and stuff like that. So, you know, it's a, it's a business that you really got to sacrifice your life for, and uh, it's not made for everybody. Definitely. And can you imagine back when you were starting and back when you were coming in, could you imagine even training in a place like the Performance Center or something like that? Isn't it so uh, much different now than it was then? I tell you, I'm just, I just, I, I, it just thrills me to death. I go there about four or five times a year, maybe a half dozen times a year. And each time I go in there, it's just amazing. I just think back, you know, and, uh, you know, of course, Regal's the closest thing I got over there that, that's a throwback to to my age and my, my time because he went through the territories, too, and all that stuff. But uh, we just looked at each other and can you imagine, you know, you know if we'd only had this stuff back, back when, when we were coming up, you know. But, you know, bless them, man. I'm glad it's there. I mean, it's, 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 you know. We had the convenience when we started, you know, having a lot of territories and just going and cherry picking the best talent in the country, and that's what Vince did. And he's very wise on who he got and who he brought up. And but slowly, those places and the talent resources died out because of the business we were doing. 
and so you know you have to create another 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 aspect of uh, of a venue where you're going to get your talent and so uh you know the the the, uh, the training centers. You know, first Ohio Valley, then Florida Championship, and do what's involved, evolved to uh, NXT. So, you know, but it, it's a thrill. I mean, when I first went down to Florida FCW down here in Tampa, I was just just shocked. I mean, just, I couldn't believe it. And then when I went over to NXT, I just took it to a completely different level. You know, and each time I go there, there's improvements, there's different methods, and they're sparing no expenses now. I mean, they sent me to Rio for 10 days to scout for talent. They sent me to all the national tournaments to scout for talent. I mean, and they, they, they there's there's training camps all over the world, Dubai, uh, uh, China, I mean, Australia, they're everywhere. And they're, they're trying to, they're sparing no expense to bring in world-class talent now, not just guys off the street. They they're 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 trying to get world-class athletes for the fans out there, and uh, and they're doing a great job of doing it. I mean, I'm I'm a huge fan of NXT, and uh, and I enjoy watching their shows. I enjoy watching the kids, you know, get a break, and I enjoy going over there and giving my input every once in a while. And they're 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 no different than when I was growing up. They want to learn too, and they they want to they, they want to learn the best, and they want to. Uh, but they they get too quick, you know. They want things too quick, and that's not them. That's just the generation that we're living, you know, answering gratification. But uh, a lot of them, when they take their time, they they see they see the big picture that's in front of them. They realize, you know, if I just give take my step, keep to my foundation, I'll be all right. Definitely. And it's funny to look at your career and, and think of like, you really can't find a better scout than yourself. I mean, God, how many years have you had in the business? How, how much knowledge being, you know, being the younger brother of Jack Briscoe, you know, of all things, it's almost like you're the perfect scout for them. Well, thank you. And if you think I'm, I'm, I'm pushing 71. I started wrestling when I was six years old and, 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 and elementary school. So, you know, that's the fifties, you know, so just put all the, all the decades together, you know, I've been around and of course I got, I got started first seeing this business in the, in the sixties when, when my brother became uh, a wrestler, but before that, one of my childhood heroes, Danny Hodge, you know, in, in the late fifties that started in the pros. And of course, when he started, I was, I was hooked, man. I, you know, like anybody else, I was down at the drugstore waiting for the, for the mags to come in every month, you know, and I had I had a, a advantage over everybody else because my older sister worked in the drugstores. She didn't know when the new ones came in, so she'd mm-hmm. give me a call. I'd be the first one in line and staying there for hours, kill a whole whole weekend just looking through the new magazine. So, you know, it goes way back when, like I said, to six years old, and I'm pushing seventy one now. So I've been around a while, seen a lot of things. I've been fortunate. I've been involved with a lot of great talent you know some of the greatest names in the history of talent of 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 a business you know i've known and been in shared the ring with so it's 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 been crazy you know i never dreamed of a little guy from uh Bullegs, oklahoma would ever have this opportunity you know to do it <laughs> absolutely and as we uh we get to wrap it up here i usually I, i'm going to save the deep question for for last last but uh-huh. i gotta ask this you know and john likes to hit the uh you know the faves and what some of the best things that you did or your favorite matches. But I got to say, we talked briefly about the Stooges. Do you have a favorite Mr. McMahon 
moment, a, you know, backstage segment? Is there one that really stands out to you out of that whole run with Vince? Well, one that really that, that I don't see a lot, but one that just about everybody tells me it's their favorite. It's with that time that uh, the Stooges and Vince went to Texas in search of Stone Cold Steve Austin, and I got I was uh, and Vince didn't know this that was coming, but I I got with the waitress and told her to do it there, and he kind of flipped and. Uh, we went and we, we you know we searched uh, we were searched all the honky tonks no so we went to the gun shops no stone cold and finally we got hungry so Vince of course you know where's steakhouse you know I want big steak you know so I spot this little barbecue joint on the corner there hey let's go over there so we go in there and we sit down Vince what kind of restaurant is this you know I'm from New York City blah 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 and they're pissing the waitress off I mean legitimately I mean even though she's you know we've got in there and we. We produced it with her, but she was still getting a little pissed at Vince because there's this yucky telling them how to prepare a barbecue. And you don't, you don't have any real steaks, and all you got is it, what's this best brisket? You know, anyway, you know, and, and then she's getting hot. So finally, I just said something to her, and she got pissed. She took, uh, and I told her to do this, and Vince didn't know it. She took a big bowl of baked beans and poured them on my cowboy hat, and of course, splashed over on his, uh, Seven hundred dollars, probably seven thousand dollars on money suit, and he got all pissed off <laughs> everything. So, but we had a ball doing it, you know. And there were there were there were flubs, you know. It's a good thing we did a lot of them backstage because I get a little tongue tied back then. And uh, of course, Pat with his French and English uh, wasn't exactly the best blend to defense's liking all the time. So. It got a little crazy, you know, but we had so much fun doing it, the three of us, you know, and uh, and it was just it was a different time. It was uh, it was a great time to say the least, and I'm sure that's what Michael Hayes was calling about. He wanted to get your favorite uh, <laughs> Sto- Stooge, Mr. McMahon story. And by the way, Michael, if you hear this, you can get our number from Mr. Briscoe. But as we uh, as we wrap it up here, the way we love to end it is we like to ask, you know, what you feel like you've lacked in professional wrestling. But I want to flip the script a little bit and ask you, at the end of the day, when the book is closed, what will the Briscoe name be left in the annals of professional wrestling? What is Briscoe going to mean to the next generation of superstars? Consistency. Simple as that. Just plain consistent. They were consistent their whole careers. I definitely, yeah, I can't agree with that. And one of the best tag teams, obviously, like we've said, Jack being one of, if not the greatest, NWA champion of all time. And it has been such an honor to go down memory lane with you and talk about this. It's like I told you before we started, it's, uh, we like to call it the bucket list. We cross you off that bucket list because this is uh, <laughs> an absolute honor. And thank you so much for joining us. Well, thank you. I surely enjoyed it. You guys have a good evening. I hope we have much success with this thing. And I look forward to talking to you again. Thanks for listening to the two-man power trip of wrestling. What the world is downloading.